For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. I'm Jeff DeForest, along with Mike Luby Lubitz here on the Believe Podcast Network. Of course, the marquee event taking place tonight, the championship game. The national championship at stake in college football, and we welcome to the program nobody better to uh, analyze this uh, with and uh, have his expertise uh, on uh, than Peter Futak of College Football News. Started this thing, as we always say, in the basement of his mother's house, and the next thing you know, it <laughs> blossomed into one of the leading authorities on college football, and now just a monster, and he'll be in attendance at the game uh, for live coverage there and uh, his coverage on College Football News uh, tonight. Peter Futak joins us here on After Hours. Peter, always a pleasure, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing just fine. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, sir. Doing just great. All right, let's get right to it because, uh, you know, there, there was somewhat of a mystery to this ball game when, when uh, the matchup was first made. Uh, many people anticipated that Alabama would uh, handle Cincinnati and that Georgia would prevail over Michigan. Uh, they were favored heavily. I thought Michigan was in there with a shot, uh, getting seven and a half points. Uh, turned out to be a complete mismatch, even larger and uh, more exaggerated than the mismatch that was Cincinnati and Alabama, which was more of a grind-down situation. Uh, uh, let's start here. Uh, first off, what were your thoughts about the way the two semifinal games were contested, and uh, what did you take away from those? Just remember that it's all about talent. I mean, and that's what we kind of learned in the college football playoff era when it's just a four-team format and you don't have uh, a run to go through. You don't have two or three games to get up for. But you don't have, uh, you know, like an NCAA tournament where there is a rapid fire of games. But you have a month off to get everyone healthy and right and prepare for one team. And talent always wins out. We have yet to see... Uh, a real upset in the college football playoff era. I mean, there have been some, you know, a few upsets where, you know, a couple of shockers here and there. But, you know, it wasn't that crazy that Clemson blew out Alabama 44-16 in Santa Clara. I mean, it was, it was out of the blue. But, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's one great team beating another great team. You know, we haven't seen the, the upstart come up yet. Or the team that's just far less talented come up and pull out something amazing. Because, again, once you get to this level – it really is just who's got the five stars and who doesn't. So uh, Michigan had a whole bunch of talent. They had a very good team in place. Uh, but when you're going to get all those NFL guys that Georgia has, uh, forget it. And so tonight I think it's just going to – I know that America's kind of bored of Alabama and you know, Alabama, Georgia, we just did this. But the NFL and skill-level talent on that field is just going to be unbelievable. And we're talking with Peter Futak again, uh, editor uh... – Publisher for College Football News. He's great on Twitter, at Pete Futak, F-I-U-T-A-K. He will be at the championship game tonight. That kicks off around 8 p.m. 
and you just alluded to it, and Devo and I have talked about it. That game was so one-sided. It's funny to, to see the line be the other way already. Um, some people have pointed to the fact that Alabama needed desperately to win that game and Georgia didn't. How important do you think that is? Because for us, we feel like Kirby wants to get the Nick Saban, quote-unquote, monkey off of his back enough where you would think that wouldn't factor in. But again, if you do know, just they are kids. If you know you're in and you know you don't need it, whereas Alabama desperately needed that game, how important do you think that was to that outcome in the SEC title game? It might have been just enough. I mean, everyone wants to win. Obviously, Georgia wanted to beat uh, Alabama. Uh, the problem, though, again, like you, you alluded to, like Georgia was going to be in the college football playoffs no matter what. So, it's, you know, I mean, obviously, again, they were going to turn, but like Alabama had to put together something special. Uh, and that was as focused and strong as they could get because they knew it was do or die time. Uh, so there's just that little extra juice in that. And that might have been just enough. Uh, again, you're talking about guys. I mean, the talent level on both sides is equal. Yeah. I mean, maybe you know, Seth Bennett isn't as good as Bryce Young, but for the most part, everyone on Alabama could play for Georgia and vice versa. I mean, those guys were all recruited by the same people, and one chose one uniform, one chose the other. And so uh, the little nitpicky difference might have just been that. Uh, but you know what? You could kind of see if, if nothing else, that might have been a good thing because on the, to really sort of take this and put it to a whole team concept is that certainly Georgia's picked. You know, Georgia's, you know, they, they, they said all the nice right things about Michigan after the, the Orange Bowl, but you could tell that they were like, yeah, all right, all right, that was, our, that was a speed bump, that was a scrimmage, now we want Alabama. Uh, and that might have just been the thing that might have just knocked them down just a wee bit of a peg to, to kind of refocus the efforts, kind of in the way that you see NFL teams that, going defeated for a while, be like, all right, we lost the game, we're human, now we can kind of focus on when the staff can handle. Do you see that happening tonight? Because uh, our theory that uh, we've been introducing here on the show for a long time now is uh, don't bet against the devil. Uh, people that have attempted this uh, have lost uh, badly. They, they've not only been disgraced, some have even ended up uh, doing prison time like Jim Baker. You, you can't bet against the devil. And Nick Saban being the devil, all you have to do is substitute one letter in his last name. And uh, that's uh, that one right there in the middle. And you have Satan. Uh, anytime he's an underdog, obviously, which is rare. I mean, I guess it's uh, six times uh, previously. Alabama. That out of Alabama, he's been an underdog in a ball game uh, on the betting lines. Uh, he's won five of those straight up and lost one to the spread by a point to the University of Florida many years ago, 2008, I guess that was. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, uh, you know, this guy seems unbeatable in his spot. Uh, how much uh, credibility do you uh, attach to that, Peter Futak of College Football News? Uh, Bryce Young's a Heisman Trophy winner. He, he did pick apart Georgia's defense. Uh, maybe the score was exaggerated because they – they really opened things up at the end when it seemed like they had uh, Georgia very much on their heels in the game well in hand. But uh, do you see a reversal of form here, or are people just uh, trying to convince themselves that, that Georgia wasn't as bad as they looked in losing by 17 points the previous time out? I mean, you have to. I mean, you have to look at Alabama at, at like, you know, the, uh, with a hundred benefits of a doubt where – you know, you're not wrong to ever pick against Alabama. Or pick, you know, Alabama. I just uh, the, this program has a way of doing things where they're built for games like this. They, the guys who are there aren't just there because they're five-star NFL guys. They're there because it's a certain mindset that you're expected to, to figure this out. And 
there's almost a, a whenever you talk to Alabama guys, there's always kind of a, it's not an arrogance, but just sort of a confidence that like, yeah, I came here to win this game. You know, I came here because I know that this coaching staff and this program wins games like this. The, the whole thing figures it out. With that said, I, I, I'm very sheepishly saying it's going to be Georgia. I'm sticking <laughs> with my first answer where I, I thought at the beginning of the, the playoffs that the loss to Alabama was kind of their little blip and the defense just is really that good and it is about to show up and play as well as it did all throughout the regular season. That D uh, really does have the, have the talent and the guys. So I'm going with Georgia in kind of a low-scoring defensive game, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if Alabama wins it, obviously. Well, and that's my thing, Peter, is, yes, Alabama's probably as talented, if not the most talented offense they saw all year. And Bryce Young, who as great as he was all year, had some moments as a young guy where in that game he didn't. That game won him a Heisman versus the best defense, not only in college football this year, but one of the best defenses we've seen in years. But that's sort of my thing is if that defense looked like that that day, are we really expecting them to do that again? Like I, To me, they are so good front to back, and yes, the corners are a weakness for them, but they're not weak. Like if the defensive line gets the pressure we know that defensive yeah. line can, then the corners are really good. They're all NFL players. That's the only reason why I'm leaning Georgia because I don't see that defense doing that again, and I don't see Bryce Young being able to run all over them again. The X factor in all this is Stetson Bennett. and. Yeah. Uh, look, he was great against Michigan, uh, and he was, he's been really good all year. He wasn't that bad in the SEC championship either outside of a big six. However, he's not Bryce Young. He's, yeah. he's, he's the one guy in the field who's not going to be an NFL talent. He's the you know the college guy who you know can run a little bit. He's good, but look, their their best quarterback, the most talented quarterback, on the bench. So it, can Bennett really get this done? if he's under any sort of pressure. Because if Georgia's defense doing it, its job and the running game is doing its job, then it's great. Uh, but it's, if, can he win this game? Can he be the one who can out-duel uh, a Bryce Young? Eh, that, that's the hard part in all this. Uh, but like, you're, you're right. You look at Alabama. The team might have jacked up its, its game now, but it did come really close to losing to Florida. It did have struggles against LSU. It did have first and ninety eight with three points on the board late against Auburn. And they're not here if, uh, you know, Tank Bigsby runs out of bounds. They're, you know, they lost to Texas A&M. They struggled against Arkansas. This has not been the smoothest or more consistent team. Now, the argument is that they went through all that to get to this point, and now it's, you know, the focus and everything is there uh, in a one-game shot. But they, this has not been a, a typical Alabama juggernaut of, say, like last year and previous years. Peter Fuchank with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby on the Believe Podcast Network. Jeff DeForest, Michael Luby, Lubitz. Peter, of course, the uh, founder, publisher, and uh, just uh, about everything uh, that was ever accomplished by College Football News. The uh, trail comes back to uh, Peter Fuchank, who was there uh, since the very beginning. Uh, all right. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, do you have any evidence, Peter, or has uh, anything along the lines surfaced uh, of Nick Saban being under some form of sedation and or uh, <laughs> medical care. He, he seems like a little bit of a different guy. He's like smiling. You know, when he's greeted at the airport there, he doesn't want to answer these two innocuous questions from the uh, reporter that uh, greets him there as he comes off the plane. I guess it's an obligation to ESPN. 
and ABC, and uh, yet he seems perfectly charming all, all of a sudden. Is he under some form of uh, sedation and or uh, has he been placed in some kind of a, a weird trance? Because he does seem like a different guy. He's not the same prick that he usually is. <laughs> yeah, you, the leather jacket. Look, I, I, <laughs> you dog him. He's actually a good dude. I mean, like, he, look, he's a football coach. Football coaches are pretty much all the same there. They're focused on one thing. He's just better at focusing and doing that than anybody pretty much who's ever done this in college football. But if you get, yeah, like all football coaches, if you talk football with them and you get them one-on-one, he's charming. He's a good guy. He's, He's not a jerk. But if you ask him about, oh, I don't know, the weather or what he had for dinner last night or something, all of a sudden, like, everything shuts down. So, uh, he's a made man. You know, he knows his place in the world. He's got his national championship. He's got a good team, and he got back here. Uh, so obviously, he wants to win. Obviously, it's all about national championships. But you know, he's he knows what he's doing. And the other part about this is going to be interesting going forward. I think I thought where you're going to go with this is is he going to be in the NFL next year? You know, if he wins this, what else do you do? I mean, he still loves coaching. He's still into this. You know, he still, you know, loves everything about it. But, you know, I'm driving here from Chicago, and they're talking on you know, the radio station who they're going to get to replace Matt Nagy. And, obviously, Jim Harbaugh's on everyone's list. And, you know, Saban is one of those guys who, you know, you get him, you change the culture of your NFL franchise. So, uh, he does seem to have that sort of calm about him because he, he's in a place now where, he knows he's among the best. He knows his teams are among the best. He knows his system is among the best ever. Uh, and so it's not just time to go with it. But obviously, you know, once the game starts, then he goes into his rages and does all that stuff. Pete, you just alluded to something that I did want to jump to, actually, because Jim Harbaugh finally gets to the playoffs, finally uh, gets off the schneid when it seems like the hot seat was his new home in Michigan. And then all of a sudden, the murmurs come up about the NFL, and he hasn't denied them. He actually sort of tipped his cap to, yeah, I could think about it. Could you see, after finally having a little bit of success, he still didn't win a title, and he got plastered by Georgia. Could you see him now moving to the NFL? Yeah, definitely. Because, well, first of all, you don't talk about maybe the NFL unless you're really thinking about it. Because as we all know, if you're a college football head coach, you are there for the next 50 years. You know, God willing, if, you know, blah, 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 blah. Because if you don't, that's instantly a recruiting problem. And, you know, look, he's a smart guy. I mean, he knows his place. He got his win over Ohio State. That, and the crazy part about, yeah, they got blown up by Georgia, but uh, ask Michigan fans, and it's kind of anecdotal with all the millions of Michigan people I seem to know, and they would have loved to win the national championship. Of course they would have. That would have been great, and they would have loved to beat Georgia. But you know what? They won the Big Ten Championship, and more than that, they beat Ohio State. So for right now, they got their moment. And that's really as big or bigger than anything else he could have done. And, you know, look, read the room. I mean, Ohio State's not going away ever. Yeah. Michigan State's settling in and good. Penn State's still good. That's just in your division. I mean, he's kind of taken Michigan about as far as you probably can. And he likes to be talking. Look, the NFL life's fun. You don't have to recruit. You don't have to deal with, you know, 18-year-old kids. You know, he likes the NFL life. And he can have his pick of any open NFL gig he wants. 
Peter Futsack, College Football News, uh, editor, publisher, and creator uh, with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby on the Believe Podcast Network. Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby Lubitz, laughable among the rhetoric leading up to the national championship game tonight is uh, the Nick Saban and Kirby Smart homage being paid to the idea and proliferating the notion that uh, bad for college football (laughs) is this name, image, and likeness thing because the haves are going to get richer and the poor are going to get even more uh, destitute. Um, I I mean, these are the two guys that are probably benefiting the most from it or among the two. I I don't know what kind of money uh, Jimbo's getting funneled through Texas A&M, but I would imagine there's an oil man in there somewhere (laughs) that's uh, said, go ahead and uh, open up the checkbook. Um, but, um, I, I, do you see this, uh, well, a uh, how laughable is it that these two coaches are the ones that are trying to uh, act like it's bad and, uh, will it be a, oh, even sure. more I mean, of a divisive element in college football? Uh, or a leveling element. I mean, look, if you're some crazy booster who, you know, wants to get rid of his money and you know, you're the you know, billionaire guy for Utah state or something like that, then yeah, that you could figure out a way to, to get your team right. And look, it's, we're seeing across the board. Look at Jackson State, for example. I mean, Dion's getting some guys there. You know, so it, it is a big deal, but the big guys are always going to be the big guys. And obviously those two and those two programs are going to be, be strong when it comes to green image and likeness. So, uh, yeah, it is a little bit laughable that the way that they're kind of bemoaning this. Is, but the other part about this is either – you got to kind of adapt or die here. And I, I kind of think, again, with, I, I mentioned before with Saban, if you're just talking football with him or a Kirby Smart, they're great. But they don't like to – all these coaches are control freaks, and they don't like to do anything to get out of their lane yep. or to disrupt their current system. Yep. And the name, image, and likeness thing could do just that because it's a part of this, this puzzle they don't have a control over quite yet. Now, obviously, they'll figure it out, and everything will be just fine. But look at a guy like Billy Napier, who's taking over in Florida. He stepped in and figured this out right away. He's like, look, we're going to have a mass. We're just like a corporation. We're going to have a massive staff of people doing massive stuff. And one of our, we're going to have a guy who's devoted to, or a woman who's devoted just to the, the business of name, image, and likeness. Because that's the business of college football right now. So there are going to be guys who embrace this and get it. And they're going to succeed that way. And the ones who don't are going to kind of, that might be just a difference to, to you know, have a misfire here or there. And there, for a guy like Nick Saban, a guy like Kirby Smart, they're going to have to get their own people in place to be able to figure that out so they don't have to. We've been exasperated here in South Florida, Peter Futak, for a long time with the University of Miami because uh, the unfortunate conclusion, and it seems to be uh, you know something you just have to live with, is things will never be the same that uh, they'll never reach that level of prominence and dominance again. Uh, they have a new AD, uh, a guy that was very successful at, at Clemson, a new head coach, Mario Cristobal. Uh, Mario comes home to his roots here in Miami, where, where he started as a college player and, of course, went on to a, a reasonable level of success as a college coach. Do the Hurricanes have the answers in place to emerge again as a major power in college football, in your opinion? We'll start with this. I mean, the problem is, you know better than anybody, this is not like it's, you know, a massive state school. We have a humongous alumni base that is used to, like, you know, blue blood. So this is a, a city-calibrated school with, with a private school alumni base that they only knows winning. 
You know, if you're if you're a Miami Hurricanes fan, you're probably older. You remember the you. You remember the attitude. You remember the swagger. You remember the just ridiculous talent uh, that was uh, with those teams throughout so, so long and the dominance and everything that made that program what it is. And you're right; it can't get there again without some crazy thing happening. That was uh, just uh, everything kind of coming together at once. But how about winning the ACC? You know, I mean, let's. The ACC is there for the taking, especially considering Clemson seems like it's rebuilding a little bit. And look, Pitt was able to get it done this year. Wake Forest has been pretty good. You know, you have all, you know, North Carolina's all right. Miami, and Florida State for that matter, there's no excuse for them to not be contenders for the ACC championship. You know, those are programs that, you know, people our age assume, yeah, those should be great, but. Ask anybody under the age of 40 about Miami football, and they'll be like, yeah, whatever. You know, so it, it is kind of a time gone past, but uh, they certainly have a good coach you can recruit. Now he's just got to get those guys in place again. And, again, start with getting the, getting the ACC championship and start being a power in the ACC, and then go from there. Peter Futek. Looking for a uh, low-scoring <laughs> defensive duel with Georgia ultimately prevailing tonight in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. And he will be on hand. You can catch his coverage uh, at collegefootballnews.com and all of their various uh, outlets for distribution. Uh, Peter, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for joining us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Have a good one, guys. You guys have a great week. Enjoy the game. Thanks for attacking, man. All right. Thanks a lot. I can't help but think, uh, don't bet against the devil. There's another guy I with know. credibility as a college football analyst who uh, likes Georgia in this game, seeing the other game as an aberration and that uh, the steadier overall body of work of the Georgia Bulldogs would be enough to uh, put them over the top in this one. Let's not forget that Georgia was life and death to beat a lousy Clemson team in the first week of the season. Now, from that point on, so uh, everybody's citing the scares that, that Alabama had, but the one scare that Alabama had with regards to Georgia is that they beat the snot out of them. Yes. When, when they met head-to-head. Now, now if head-to-head meetings, I mean, how many times have you heard the arguments about, well, you know what, head-to-head means a lot more than anything else. It matters. So uh, whatever matchups that there were that uh, Saban was able to exploit and however poorly Georgia may have played uh, with, I, I can't imagine they were lacking in motivation after getting shellacked year after year by Alabama. I mean, they have been a red-headed stepchild in the SEC to Alabama for how long? Yeah. Mike Lubielibitz. Forever. That was Rick's whole problem was he couldn't get past Alabama. Don't want to get slapped around uh, again by Alabama, especially in the uh, SEC championship game. So uh, however little there was regard for the need to win that ballgame on the Georgia side of things, I, I don't think it vindicates or justifies losing by 17 points and essentially falling completely apart at the end of the ballgame when yep. instead of being contentious and competitive, uh, they were uh, you know just taking it on the chin in what turned out to be a garbage time runaway. Yeah, I mean, that was that's my problem is I'm leaning Georgia because they had such a bad effort in that game. I don't think they can do it again. However, why did they have such a bad effort? I understand they didn't have the same motivation as Alabama, but who gives a shit? Like, the reality is the game's in front of you. You struggled at beating Alabama. Why would you want to give them anything but your best effort? So I totally agree with that, and I understand that game should cloud your judgment of this game. I'm just, uh, the other cliche people throw out there with this game is it's hard to be the same team twice. So my Florida State Seminoles beat Florida in a very tough game in 1996. Florida State should have gone on and won the title. Well, Florida won the SEC title game and magically found themselves in the championship game 
And Florida State was the better team that year and lost by 30 to Florida because it was the second time playing in like a month span. So we've it's happened before and sometimes you get sort of behind the, the curtain and realize, okay, look, this team shellacked us, this team beat us, but we can there's things we can pick apart. And I think that's what people are seeing. That's what Vegas is seeing. We'll see. I don't know. Look, getting three points with Alabama if you're a bending man is something you don't get to see often, and I don't see why you wouldn't take that. It's a rare luxury, my friend. It's caviar for exactly. the degenerates. It's exactly. unbelievable. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I love the Chateaubriand. No, I don't care that it's market price. I'm going to go ahead and have a couple of slices and take the rest home. I know it's for two people. That doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I'm getting points exactly. with Alabama. I, I, I feel pretty good about that. I, and, and you know my uh, motto is don't get cute when you're trying to figure these things out. Uh, yes, is it possible that Georgia does a complete about-face and, and turns this around uh, on the Alabama Crimson Tide? Certainly uh, anything looms as a possibility. Uh, both teams have been off for a long period of time. Uh, you don't know how they're going to come out of the shoot. But I would expect uh, Alabama will find a way to salvage its dignity in this ballgame, win another national championship, and easily cover the two and a half, which will seem like a very generous allotment, somewhere around four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Maybe even sooner than that. So uh, we'll see what happens. Anyway, let, let's hope it's entertaining after waiting this long. Yes, please be a good game. For the game. Uh, at least be entertaining. You could not have topped the entertainment of uh, last night's finale in the National Football League. Raiders and Chargers and uh, Brandon Staley, my God, this guy uh, comes up with some absurd moves, including calling a timeout when it looked like the Raiders <laughs> were going to be content to hand them an invitation to the postseason. Here you go, Brandon. Just don't call a timeout. We're not going to do anything. That guy still yeah. has a job. This Black Monday, Matt Nagy, has now been fired. And Mike Zimmer from Minnesota has also been fired here on Black Monday. Not Brandon oh, yeah? Staley. <laughs> I'm still wondering how. <laughs> is Brian Flores still the coach of the Dolphins? Yes, he is I still can't the imagine coach. him getting fired. He's still uh, the coach. I'm on a group text here with a couple of friends of mine, and uh, one of them is implying that Flores uh, got canned. Oh, he's gone. Gone. He's gone. Brian Flores Flores fired. is out. Wow. Wow! Oh my you know God. who your next Dolphin coach is, then, right? I think Har. I think that's it. I think I there think Harbaugh. That's why Harbaugh is not saying. That's the only way you get rid of Flores. That's the only way. That deal was probably sealed yep. when they were here for the Orange Bowl, right? Don't you think Stephen Ross entertained a little Jimmy Harbaugh over the weekend? Is it bad that I'm excited about that? Like, I, this is why we could do another half an hour. We might have a long ass believe today because that is. Wow. Like, I actually was okay with firing Flores. Because That's a shocker. Yeah. To me, starting one in seven, three years in a row, you start slow, is on the coach. The fact that every year he changes over the offensive staff. But that's probably yeah. not why they did it. You're probably exactly right that there was a hardball deal there. And How did Schefter miss this, that there's a deal already in place? For he's Ken a Michigan Harbaugh. guy. You know that, right? He's a Michigan guy, Schefter. Is that right? Yes. He's a, he's a big Michigan guy. Went to my high school, man. Belmore Kennedy. Certainly achieved far more in his career than I did. But uh, nonetheless... I don't know. Will he be working at 70? I, I think so. Hey, we're, we're happy to be with you, man. This ain't work. You, you can hardly call no, it that. No, but Brian Florence, a surprise. Al That's Jim Harbaugh, crazy. I would imagine, has already been offered this job. I, I, I can't see any other scenario where they would have fired Flores after winning eight of his last nine games as a head coach in his third year with a questionable general manager and a guy that uh, picks players like he was Stevie Wonder. more. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, Brian Flores out. Mike Zimmer, uh, not a surprise, kind of a dull run there at Minnesota. Never really got over the top. Uh, you know, probably time to go in another direction. Old salty dog guy. It's a young coach's league now. And uh, Fangio, of course, uh, was let go yesterday uh, by the Denver Broncos. That came out. I mean, they, they hadn't even taken their jock straps off, and they already fired Vic. 
So uh, he was gone. And who was the other one uh, that's also out? Olobi? Uh, Nagy. Nagy, the one that... Oh, Nagy. Okay, everybody thought uh, he was gone. Yeah, he he looked uh, beleaguered, uh, did he not, all throughout the season. That Nagy Chicago Bears. They were getting hosed by the officials the whole year and having all kinds of problems. They couldn't get this guy Fields to uh, do what they wanted him to do. And, uh, you know, very suspect over there. When you're you're, uh, deciding between Andy Dalton and your prized rookie quarterback and you're going with Dalton... Pretty much saying, hey, this this is it, man. My contract's in the shredder. All right, uh, we have to run. It's been great being with you. Believe Podcast Network, always fun. Uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Uh, thanks to Peter Futak, our special guest. Uh, enjoy the college football championship game, people. I'm sure we'll have some uh, thoughts on that uh, when we come back with you tomorrow here on the Believe Podcast Network. For Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest. Thanks for listening to After Hours and downloading it. Tell your friends about it. You can catch us also on Ion Channel. Just Google The Defo Show. That's D-E-F-O. And you can catch the entire archive, including our show this morning on Ion Channel. So uh, if you like what you're hearing here and you want to hear more and an expanded version, uh, check that out. A lot of uh, great uh, stuff happens on that program, including our handicappers who have been red hot on our Degenerate Friday show. So uh, if you're looking to get out for the season, uh, you might want to tune in, especially on Friday when we dive deeply into what is on and off the board of Degenerate Wagering. Uh, It's open up in New York now, and uh, no doubt to uh, rave reviews. And um, we will uh, see you tomorrow here on the Believe Podcast Network. And uh, we always say at at, uh, the end of every program, uh, this is the place where you know you got to believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. What if I told you you could go to a great restaurant, feel completely safe because their COVID protocol is unmatched, have an amazing meal, have a great time. When the bill comes, you won't get sticker shock. You're going to say, that's too good to be true. No, it's not, because I'm talking about Texas Roadhouse. Great family atmosphere, great atmosphere for a couple, great atmosphere if you just want to go by yourself and watch a game and have the coldest beer in town. And while you're doing that, have the best bread in town. All at Texas Roadhouse. Everything you get there is fresh every day and made sure it's served at your table, hot and ready to go. And the best part is you don't get sticker shock because the prices are amazing. Texas Roadhouse. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant. And you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette, in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play, when you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.